Los Angeles. You see it at night, and it shines. A beacon. People are drawn to it. People and other things. Come for all sorts of reasons. My reason? No surprise there. It started with a girl. Continuous Play Podcast and the Art of Slaying present Path to Redemption and Angel Retrospective. Leading the investigation are Brian. Can everybody just notice how much fire I'm not on? And Jay. I will never trust you again. The trust is gone. These case reviews will be spoiler-filled and hypothesis-driven as we track the winding path of the vampire with a soul on his search for atonement. You know, there's a lot of people in this city need help. You game? This is Path to Redemption, an angel retrospective. I'm Jay. And I'm Brian. And today we are discussing Season 1, Episode 17, Eternity, Episode 18, 5 by 5 and Episode 19, Sanctuary. Written by Tracy Stern, Jim Koff, Tim Maneer, and Joss Whedon. Angel saves the life of an actress, Rebecca Lowell, and she becomes infatuated with him and the promise of eternal youth being a vampire could bring her. So she slips a tranquilizer or a roofie or something into a glass of champagne and unleashes Angelus, who comes out due to the peaceful happiness that the drug brings forth. Fortunately, Wesley and Cordelia are nearby and able to knock out Angelus down the, na- down the elevator shaft and bind him long enough for the drugs to wear off and Angel to return to normal. Angel and company turn up the heat on Wolfram and Hart by convincing a witness to come forward, which causes them to lose a case for a powerful client. Annoyed by this distraction, the firm reaches out and enlists Rogue Slayer Faith to do away with their vampire nemesis. Faith and Angel go back and forth until she pushes him too far by brutally attacking Cordelia and torturing Wesley. Faith and Angel fight it out in a back alley until she breaks down in tears, knowing how evil and broken she really is. Angel offers her sanctuary against Wesley's protest and begins to reason with her about how confession and acceptance of her wrongs begin the start to her own path of redemption. Buffy arrives and is annoyed with Angel and how he's harboring Faith after what happened on Season 4 of Buffy, which we'll try to remind you of. But the insulted vampire continues to protect Faith, and when Wolfram and Hart send a demon to take out Faith and Angel, they're able to defeat it, but the police show up. Kate Loxley arrests Angel for harboring a fugitive, but when they arrive at the police station, Faith is there to provide a full confession. Angel and Buffy argue over his actions, and he tells Buffy to go back to Sunnydale because he has his own life here now, too. Angel and Wesley reconcile, and Faith seems finally at peace in her jail cell at the end of the three-episode swing. So lots to discuss here, Brian. Kind of called this little package of things, gotta have faith, because even that one-off with Eternity is, is a little bit about believing in something bigger. That's why Wesley and Corey don't, don't stake him. <laughs> That's exactly right. Uh, it, it's a triple package of episodes that are really good, and we mentioned this in the last episode. Right now, at this point in the in the show, they're finally hitting their stride. They had a few bumps in the road as we were getting going on the show, but now we're we're into it. We're full swing. We're getting to the meat and, and potatoes of this show, and uh, it couldn't come at a better time as we're coming to the end of season one here and going into season two, which really the show takes off from there on. So I'm excited to talk about these three episodes because I think they're a solid three episodes leading into the final set of episodes for the season. So let's go. 
Yeah, lots to talk about. And I want to say our fans of this show and who were fans of The Art of Slaying might remember me saying something back in our season four episodes of The Art of Slaying that in a swing of like four episodes, the Faith character, Eliza Dushku, saved both shows in the same seasons. (laughs) Because the Buffy show had been going off the rails with the college years and the initiative and some of that wackadoo stuff that they had going on over there. You can go back and listen to us there. And then Faith shows up and they have a great two-episode swing. And then she leaves and she comes over to Angel after like a week in between and gets the Angel show right. And I agree with what you said, Brian. This is where David Greenwald, Joss Whedon, everybody behind and running the Angel show start to figure out, yeah, this is what this show's going to be about. And we'll talk about it when we get there, but Greenwald himself has said that confrontation at the end of Sanctuary between Angel and Buffy is, is not so much David and Sarah arguing, because they you know got along famously well for years, but it's the Angel character telling Buffy, I've got my own show, go back to yours. And, and we can get to that when we get there, but I, I do think that this is where the the Angel Show really starts to pick up steam and figure out what's going to do. And then those last three episodes, which we'll talk about next time, really get it going in a, in a direction that it doesn't really stop the train for a couple of years. They, they were, It's unlike a show to be able to c- carry that kind of momentum forward. But this is where this one really gets its steam. I mean, you have three kids, Brian, who are all mobile and moving around now. And you've seen it when a, when a kid starts to get their foot under them. And then like it goes from one day to where they're kind of stumbling around and then the next day they're just gone they're tasmanian devils they're rocket roll everywhere yeah when they finally figure out what they want to do and where they're going and how to do it then yeah it's it's balls to the wall man they're running but uh, you said it here too this is where angel basically becomes its own show we're going to leave buffy behind from here on out for the most part there'll be a, a few things here and there that come in but for the most part this is now angel's show we don't need to really focus on Buffy's show. We're going to just go. Yeah, exactly. And, and in fact, this marks the last time Sarah Michelle Geller will be on the Angel Show. Uh, she Unless never comes you think back. about uh, the last episode. Yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll That's get there a ways a down the road. <laughs> a long way away. So let's start with Eternity, though, because yeah. this is kind of the one-off episode, right? Because we get the first reappearance of Angelus. Uh, in here, which is, it's been a long, you know, we, for us, maybe it hasn't been because the way we watch these things, it's been a long time since he went there, you know, and it's really in arc significance. It's the first time he goes to the dark side, if you will, since Buffy stabbed him to hell at the end of Buffy season two. So I I kept waiting, watching the show and then even rewatching this time, waiting for them. Like, when are they going to bring that back? Because I know they do. And it'll be something that they go and do a lot as we we go forward with the the coming seasons. But I couldn't remember if they did it in season one. And then I I realized, oh, yeah, this is the one where where it happens because the actress does. But I couldn't remember what she does to him. And I kind of like the conceit of how she does it. Like, it's a way to bring Angelus out without completely you know unsouling him if you will and i thought that was an interesting move with the whole 
drug in his drink and it's uh, it's also a, a way where they do something different here the b plot is he's protecting this actress and cordeo is kind of obsessed with her because she's still trying to be famous and hang out in hollywood and all that stuff but they do away with the b plot really quick because the a plot is really about the uh, continued growing relationship and trust between he wesley and cordelia and part of that that we've never talked about is that if wesley and cordelia are going to work with him at some point, they're going to have to deal with the Angelus problem. Okay, so here is something I think for everyone to think about. Because if if it truly Angel becomes Angelus here, which I don't think he does, I'm going to say that now. If he truly becomes Angelus, then I think this is a pathetic excuse to make him Angelus. I don't like the idea of giving him a drug to make him feel like Bliss turns him into Angelus. I think that's stupid. My take on it is that he goes into Angelus to scare the living bejesus out of this actress so that she will get off her little kick of I want to be a vampire. That's my take on it. And he has to keep playing it and for Wesley and Cordelia. And it's almost like a test for them, too. If he ever does turn to Angelus, what will they do? Maybe this is a test for them, too. So, to me, I want to think of this as he is pre- playing Angelus a part here to drive home a point. And unfortunately, Wesley and Cordelia have to not know about it and, and play along. That's my thought. That's, that's an interesting take. And I'll tell you, they could have done that with this if they'd given David Bordonis like a line or something at the end to tip us off to that. But that's not the way it's played. The, and I agree, it is kind of cheap in some ways. But in other ways, it also shows how dangerously thin a line he has to walk every day between being angel and being angelus and and i don't i don't think he's testing them it turns out to be one yes i agree with you there and that is a very very interesting idea but that's not what they do here and that's certainly not the way it plays out he and he doesn't fully lose his soul it's his I don't, and I don't totally understand the physiology here, but it's it's basically he gets tricked into thinking he's completely happy, and it it allows his inner demon to take over for a while. See, and I think that I think that that's cheap. I mean, if it, it, all that means is that Wolfram and Hart, all they have to do is slip him a roofie, and he'll become Angelus for a while. And I think that's stupid and dumb. I think it's a, a path you uh, don't want to go down. Well, here's the thing, though. As one, they would have to know that, and they they have no way of knowing how that. Oh, goes they've down got ways. Well, they do, but we don't know that about them at this time. Look, that actually is something that reveals itself later on down the line about them. But at, at this point, they don't. And the other thing is, he's so on guard about it all the time. He lets himself drop the guard because he, for a moment gets interested in this woman and we should talk about it like what's going on is the b plot of this is rebecca lowell this actress who was on i think it's supposed to be played off like if she was on some sort of like daytime soap opera or whatever and now she's she's turned 30 or whatever and she's no longer employable which is 
you know, that's the old adage in Hollywood is you now you're too old to, you know, be you know useful to us. The young starlet, yeah. Right. And so she her agent though, like, sets up all these like attacks and stalkings of her publicly <laughs> to try to keep her in the spotlight. Which right. is actually I, I looked at that and and said, I totally believe that. I and matter of fact, oh, I'm sure that the writers were like, Can you remember when so and so like I'm sure this is like ripped from the headlines somewhere. Oh, I guarantee it it, it is. I mean, it's the common thing. You got to keep your star in the headlines, whether they be the National Enquirer, you know, the tabloid headline, or any kind of headline. Yeah. Because publicity is the key. Yeah. And any publicity is good publicity is if you're someone in in the limelight. Yeah. There's no such thing as bad publicity. P.T. Barnum once said, you know, it's it's publicity. And nowadays, like for us today, like you see this, you see people that invent their own drama uh, to stay in. The headlines in like 2000, that was we were not in the world of social media and we were changing the way we consume things and stuff. It was, you know, it was becoming different. We were on the precipice of all that. So to see that played out here with 2017 eyes now, I'm going like, oh, yeah, of course I buy it. At the time, I'm sure this seemed like, oh, this is crazy. Would somebody actually do that? And the answer is yes. Yeah, and I think that they would. <laughs> um, but yeah. uh, I I like the Rebecca character. I think it's a fascinating character. I look at someone who had it all and kind of really still does as far as money goes. But then the fame is starting to dwindle away. And because they were so famous for so long, because she is played off as she was a child actor who became famous and then became a real big soap star. And then the soap kind of died out and she's well, known more for the soap. Well, she, and now, play, she played the character that grew up on the soap and then she became too old to be interesting anymore is the way it's played yeah. off. And so she is now not the focus. She, you know, the show's been canceled. They've moved on. But people still remember her for that. And it's almost in some ways like... It, you know, uh, every young actress who plays, uh, you know, a certain kind of thing on television growing up will go and take like that edgy role to try to do something. I mean, I remember like all the girls that were on Seventh Heaven all tried to go do some like risque horror movie at one time or another, mm -hmm. you know, to try to show their range, you know, and all this kind of stuff or to do something, you know, avant-garde. And, you know, it, it, that became the, the joke for a while, right? It's a, it's a trope in and of itself is that, well, one day she'll be in Playboy and then it'll all be over, you know, like that's what happens and that's sad but it's also very true but this woman is not desperate for the attention she legitimately wants to stay famous and she like keeps herself in incredible shape she looks amazing and she talks about i'm 30 you know like, it's not that big of a deal i'm not that old but in hollywood terms she is and she's coming to terms with it and the the dangling carrot in front of her is Oh wow! I could be eternally this way because she figures out angels of vampire, which well, is kind of neat. Kinda, yeah, I think it's kind of cool because she is not afraid of anything. Like if she was gonna die, she didn't really care. That's how yeah. she kind of portrayed herself. And then when she finds out that Angel is a vampire by looking in a mirror and he's not there, she's not scared. She doesn't do anything about it. She's kind of like, oh, okay. And I thought that was kind of an interesting part of her character. It's the forerunner to Bella in the Twilight movies when she's totally not freaked out that Edward is a vampire, but mm -hmm. played very differently. But but same same thing. I recently rewatched those, so they're kind of on the brain. But I mean, I thought about that while I was watching this episode. I was like, this is kind of the same thing. Like she's not freaked out by it. And I think and 
in Angel's mind, you know, we have to try to think about, you know, he is so tortured by everything he's done and also by the overriding reality that everyone he's ever close to is going to die. He's going to outlive all of them. And he knows that. We've talked about that on this show before. And so he's constantly, like, lonely. And so when there's real attention from somebody, I think he enjoys that. He's like anybody else. I mean, he's still got that part of his human emotions intact. And he enjoys her company. He enjoys the attention. but And he lets his guard down. And that's why he drinks the roofied champagne or whatever it is. Right. And what, let's talk about what happens when, when all this goes down. She, he sees her intentions and, and desire to turn, uh, you know, he, she's trying to turn him on to get him to make her a vampire. And he goes to the fridge, pulls out a thing of blood and just sprays it in her mouth. <laughs> oh, it's, it's <laughs> makes sadistic. Her eat it. Yeah, it's sadistic. I mean, if, if we're following what you were saying, if he was just playing it to try to like teach her a lesson or whatever, it's the best like after school special ever. I mean, it is definitely a scared straight vampire school. Mm-hmm. I mean, completely. Well, yeah. I mean, I he. Mean, I mean, he totally lays into her, and then uh, you know he he's like he's he's starting to have this sort of conflicted moment when he does that to her, and then he leans his head down and he looks up at her, and he's got on the vamp face, and he's like, "No, I feel great now," and it's like, "Uh oh, bad problems." Yeah, but I, and I that's why I think when I watch this that that's exactly what he's doing, and I'm probably wrong. But I think in my head when I watch it and that's the case, I feel better about it. <laughs> you know, I just feel better <laughs> thinking that he's playing Angelus and not actually Angelus. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that I feel cheap that a little pill can make him turn. Well, this is a euphoric. Like, we don't know what it is. We're joking that it's a roofie or whatever. That would like actually knock him out. What she gives him is something that's supposed to uh, make him trip. Like it's a real upper, you know. and Let down his guard, yeah. Yeah, and and it does, and she doesn't realize the damage of that, you know. So the thing is, though, as and this is what gets me is how she's able to escape him, you know, during this because usually when Angelus has got somebody cornered, if it's not Buffy, he's pretty well got you dead to rights. Again, pointing to my theory, I think that plays in well because if he was Angelus, she would be dead. Well, there's, she's, there's no getting her out of there. Well, well, I mean, she runs into Cordelia and Wesley, and I will say this. There's this whole thing. The, the episode actually begins where Wesley and Cordelia, or Wesley and, and Angel are talking like, how can they get out of this dangerous situation? Which he realizes <laughs> they're in a small theater watching Cordelia suck uh-huh. <laughs> in a play. I don't even know what it's supposed to line. You know, it's, it's great. It's always funny to see an actor or an actress try to play bad actor or actress. You know, because I th- I have to think Charisma Carpenter's a pretty good actress. And she gets to do the coolest thing that Cordy's been able to do on the show yet. She pulls out a bottle of water and she gives him this whole bit when he's Angelus and, and Rebecca's trying to get away. It's like, this is blessed by Father whatever every Tuesday because we keep stakes all around here because we know this was going to happen. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it's all bull. And so right. Rebecca can get away, and so court, and so Wesley can knock him in the head and throw him down that elevator shaft. And I was like, "That is, I love." And she even gets the line like, "And the Oscar goes to." And I was like, right. "Yeah, that was a pretty good. That was a good moment." I actually liked the fact that Cordelia and Wesley have this this plan 
you know, between the two of them, because I I'd not for a minute think that they actually do worry about this, but that they've talked about it when Angel wasn't around. Like, you know, if he ever goes bad, grab this, do this. We're going to throw him down there, chain him up, and then figure out what to do, or you stake him. I'll, you know, like they have an escape plan, and I like yeah. the fact that they have an emergency Angelus plan on hand. Oh, absolutely. And Cordy's even said that in earlier episodes that if he were to ever turn into Angelus, she would take him out. Right? I mean, so you got to think she's got some sort of idea of how. Uh, otherwise, yikes. <laughs> but, um, you know, I like how all this all goes down. And you get Angelus's character basically telling Cordy how much she sucks and going into how much of a wussy Wesley mm-hmm. is and everything else. And that's something that Angelus does, right? Angelus oh. is very honest. He's a jerk. And maybe, and yeah. maybe that's the way you know he Angel can actually say what he wants to because he ain't gonna say it as Angel. <laughs> well, she calls him out on it too. She she was like, you know, you could j- have just told me that and been honest with me to begin with, both of you. Yeah. And they were like, yeah, kind of sheepishly, like, yeah, you're right. Well, but you're our friend, exactly. Yeah. Well, that, and that's the thing you do you you don't. Oh, you you put the filters on to try to save somebody else's feelings, right? Even yeah. when oh, the truth yeah. would be better, you do that because that's courtesy, right? Angelus <laughs> has no courtesy; he doesn't give a damn. <laughs> so he's no. just—I mean—he he completely like rips off her performance too. He's like lying. He does the whole bad line that she does, and I again, I think that is fun. I think this whole episode—it's it's a throwaway episode for the most oh. part. It's just monster of the week uh, without having a real monster in it. He is the monster, and they throw it away. I love the fact that at the end, like he apologizes. They're like apology accepted, and then they leave him chained up, and they're like. He's like, you're not going to untie these guys? And then they just cast the black. I'm like, I love it. That's, they're like, no, nah, we're going to be sure. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's smart. smart. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep, very smart. Um, yep, very I like smart. it, too. I thought, you know, I like this episode. I think it's actually done very well for an episode that really is kind of off the arc of the season. I thought they did a great job with it, and it was fun to watch. So I have no complaints. I just have my theory. Well, that moves us into the next episode, and really it's a two-parter. It's not billed as a two-parter, but it works as one, because these were back-to-back. We'd taken a week off. Faith has come off of Buffy, and just to catch everybody up, she shows up on Buffy with like this magical what's-it, and her and Buffy high-five, and they switch bodies. And so for a while, Sarah Michelle Gellar is actually Faith, and so she's kind of Buffy being bad. And mm-hmm. then Buffy's trapped in the Faith body, and they go round and round, and eventually it all gets you know worked out. But in the process, like uh, Faith in Buffy's body sleeps with Riley, her boyfriend, and it's uh, you know there's a lot of tension off of that, and there's all kinds of things that go on. And you know I think Joyce gets beat up in here, and I, I can't remember all of it. I didn't rewatch it, but I'm just pulling it from memory. That's what happens, and then ultimately it gets switched back, and she runs off. Then we've had the turn of the episode, and now Faith shows up in L.A. and I love how she just. Shows Shows up in L.A. just anyway, and then Wolfram and Hart decide we're going to get her to go assassinate Angel because Angel has decided, you know what, we're going to go and screw with the big bad. You know, and I, I love how they, they take them on without like doing a, an attack per se. They go get a witness and they get them to go to court and it ruins one of their cases. I'm like, mm-hmm. That's, that is so like corporate espionage. It's, it's fun. It is fun. I liked how they did that, too. And, and I like the fact that Wesley's the one who's right here, as everyone else doesn't think that this guy's going to show up after they kind of rescue him from you know, a certain death. Um, and 
he does show up, and you're sitting in the courtroom, and you don't know. You're just sitting there. They're getting ready to basically dismiss the case when the courtroom opens and he comes in. And I thought it was a cool way to do it. And, of course, Angel's standing in the back. Let him know he's there to be reckoned with, and they get they have to keep an eye on him. Well, and we're getting Lindsay back. You know, he hadn't been back since the yep. pilot episode. So Christian Kane comes back, and Stephanie Romanoff's back as Lila. And so we get those two back involved in this. But I love how they juxtapose the redemption stories here with we we flash back and see darla and angelus you know in in the late 1800s in romania together and we see him kill the gypsy girl get the curse and then how he's shunned and we see him kill the gypsy girl and then get the curse put on him and how she throws him away because he's he's damaged goods now and we see his plight for redemption as an, a newly ensouled vampire juxtaposed to faith who's not ready for help yet but needs help and i wanted to ask you like are they playing with the addiction metaphor again here that like faith is addicted to violence and killing or is it just that she's gone down the dark road so far that she doesn't believe she can be forgiven and turned around and it takes someone standing up to her finally that she can pound on for a while to bring that out of her to me i think that it's it's not addiction and i don't think it's that either i think it's more of the fact that um her conscience is getting to her but she's trying to hide it she's not trying to let it get to her and i think we see that at the end of this episode that her conscience is there and what she really wants is for someone to take her out because she's not strong enough to take herself out yeah, she she doesn't want to kill herself. Like she's not going to throw herself off a building. In fact, she's not even sure she can die because Buffy tried basically to kill her in season three. I mean, she stabbed her with that huge, you know, cobra knife, and she survived that. Mm-hmm. And now she's like, I'm invincible. I, I I don't know. I I like the fact that we see both of these characters at different times, but going through the same process of logic and emotion of how can I possibly be redeemed? You know, what can I possibly do? And I like, uh, you know, we, we've already had the backstory of Angel in the Buffy series. Um, and now we get a little different glimpse, more of the side of what he went through afterwards with Darla rejecting him and basically learning what he had to do because he went to attack a girl in the episode, but couldn't bring himself to do it because his conscience and soul was telling him it was not a good thing to do and so now he's got to figure out another way to live while suffering and i think that's an interesting thing and i think it's a metaphor for faith has to learn how to live now with what she's done uh while suffering because yeah and and just to remind everybody what she's done she killed the deputy mayor in sunnydale she killed a whole lot of other people at the behest of the mayor um, who was trying to turn into the big evil snake you know and then once she got out she tried to wreck buffy's life and did some pretty good damage to it along Mm -hmm. the way and now she's here and she's just kind of just raising hell in la and wolfman hart grab her and they they do the same thing the mayor did they put her in a nice place and oh no actually i I got that wrong i'm sorry she you know some guy tries to a strong armor and she beats the crap out of him and just sort of squats in his house or apartment while he's in the hospital yeah right and so wolfman hart find her and they start you know funding her and all this stuff so it's the same she's going through the same thing because faith always needs someone 
giving approval to her. We talked about on, on the artist slang, like the cool dynamic between her and the mayor was that it wasn't a romantic relationship. It was this whole father daughter thing, this mentor mentee mm-hmm. thing. And faith is always looking for someone to guide her. And she's looking in the wrong places all the time. Well, and I think the problem with faith is that she got Wesley as a, as a watcher. And he that, wasn't and, ready for it. And, and no, that's Wesley the, wasn't yeah. strong and Wesley wasn't, mm-hmm able to be as commanding as a Giles was. And because of that, I think that threw her off and she looked for that somewhere else. And, you know, you can't blame Wesley. That's just Wesley, right? But I think that's where it starts is that she got a watcher who had no balls, who was a book smart guy Mm -hmm. and couldn't rein her in. And because of that, she looks for strong people to guide her. I, Wesley's torture scenes oh, in man. this are are such a big turn from first they're just they're horrible they're so sadistic but they're such a big turn for him as well as the fact that like the council SWAT team or what the hell ever comes back and tries to recruit him to help us get her and you can come back you be in full order or whatever and he essentially like only goes along with it I think because he knows these guys are not up to any good they're just using me and I'm tired of getting used by everybody and this is when Wesley grows a pair and does something about it and I, I love how it, you know the one guy I don't know, he had some some uh, I don't know uh British style pejorative for him, and Wesley turns it back on him when he tases him later. And I was like, that that's awesome, you know, between these two. Because you see Wesley grow up a little bit here, too. When mm-hmm. he came on the Angel Show, he was the rogue demon hunter, but he really was just wearing leather and trying to be tough, right? Yeah. And, and he's proved himself to be more than useful, but this is a turning point for him where he taps into a little bit of his own dark side here, and I, I like it. I, I, Alexis Denisoff to me plays this so well. The thing about this episode that works so well is, is our two leads here, David Boranis and Eliza Dushku, are doing very interesting things. But for me, Brian, it's Alexis Denisoff and then it's Julie Benz as Darla that are selling me on this whole show. Like they are the ones sort of telling the the story to the side, and I, I, their performances are magnificent in this episode. Yeah, well, in these two episodes, I mean, yeah. Wesley, you're right. He goes through and gets tortured beyond belief by faith here to, to the point where she's ready to kill him if angel hadn't shown up right um he but he won't give up an inch he won't give in he won't tell her what she wants he won't do anything to betray his friends and then as we come to the end of this episode where angel and faith are fighting and he's trying to get himself out of the the tie-up that he's in and then they go out the window and continue fighting in the rain and, and in the street. And he finally frees himself, grabs a knife, and comes down to confront and help Angel, only to find Angel embracing her. I think to him, it was almost a betrayal. Because here is his boss, friend, embracing the person who's been torturing him for the last who knows how long. And I, I think that's a wake-up call for him. And I think that's why... When the um, Watchers Council shows up and kind of tells him that they let him back in and this and that and stroke his ego a little bit trying to get him to help, he has to make a decision at that point. And I think he does. He makes a decision to stick with the good and, and angel and, and shove it back in their face because they have never been good to him. Let's put it out there right now. No. They've always looked at him as an idiot and all that stuff so um, not so much an idiot it's just somebody who was book smart but had no street wise smart yeah and that has proven to be true 
So it's it's not unfair of them to think of him like that because Wesley was not ready to be a watcher. He was not ready for somebody like Faith or Buffy. Let's, let's face it, he couldn't have been a watcher for either one of them because they are two very different Slayers from what we know Slayers mm-hmm. to be. And it's also why those two fight so much because they're, they're, we've talked about it before, they're, they're a different side of the same coin. They're the same person. They're just, you know, one is amped up and the other one's turned the, to the right and one's to the left, and that's how they go. But he wasn't ready for it. But the thing that I like, and I'm with you, is that I think he plays along with them because for once Wesley has the upper hand. He's like, okay, yeah, yeah, I'm going to go along with this because I know what you're going to do and I can turn it to what I want the outcome to be because I trust what Angel says more, even though I'm pissed at how all this is going and Mm -hmm. i want her as dead as anybody i get it and i get what he's talking about and that's a big thing for wesley that's a huge thing. that's a huge thing because if i think if he is going to resolve himself to i'm going to work with a vampire with a soul he has to understand that i'm gonna have to start walking some lines of gray myself and get out of the black and white world i've lived in for 35 years however old he's supposed to be right yeah and and that uh, that's this is a big moment for him, and it's it's fantastic to see. The other yeah. thing that I want to talk about in these two episodes, there's two other things. One, I want to talk about Wolfram and Hart here, and their plan, their idea. You know, because this is Lindsay's idea. It's like let's let's get a Slayer to kill him. You know, I mean, well, who better to kill a vampire than a Slayer? And on surface, not a bad idea. Oh, definitely a good idea. I mean, <laughs> that's what they do, right? <laughs> they fight vampires and demons, so it's the perfect—it's the perfect foe for them to go out and grab to to kill this guy who keeps interfering with their work and causing them headaches and costing them money. Uh, you know that that they yeah they got to do something. Here's a opportunity that's presented itself, and I I really enjoy it too. I like the Wolfram and Hart thing coming in because they're going to play a big part of this series as we go on. And they really kind of been sprinkled in so far in season one here and there. We don't know a whole lot about them other than they represent demons in the human world. Right. And hang on to that too, because we'll, we'll talk about that next episode when we go through the, the last uh, bulk of the season here, because it is where they make that stamp once and for all that these guys are the big bad Always, and mm-hmm. they are going to be the big problem. And I and I like it's another way to differentiate this show from the Buffy show, is that this is the thing we're always going to be circling around and chasing and dealing with. And I, the idea also that Evil Incorporated, you know, would be a law firm is still just hilarious to me. <laughs> you know, That's, so, I think it's a good. Good it's, thing to bring in. It's different and not the way they play it. They play it so straight. That's the thing. It's like everybody, all the lawyers and stuff, are playing it like you would expect real lawyers to play. It. Well, they, they just argue to. their points, and they just you know they're just working their themselves to death, trying to move up in the world, you know, and all that. And and they're obviously Lindsay and Lila here, and their friend Lee are trying to impress the bosses. Because well, he's not doing a very good job. <laughs> no, he, he sucks. And we'll go more on, more on Lee next time. But those three are trying to impress the bosses because they're bucking for a promotion. They're what Absolutely. everybody wants, advancement. Absolutely. And I, I really like it. I think it's great. I think Wolfram and Hart is going to prove to be a very fun adversary for the show because there, there's so many things they can do as being lawyers, right? Mm-hmm. They're not just a spike and they're not just a, the master, right? They, they're right. a whole group of tons of people who can 
push their weight and money and everything else around and, and work different angles. And I well, like I mean, that. I think it's cool. They, they have the world on lock because they can do anything in the world as it is, but they've also got the paranormal world <laughs> in their back pocket too. So it's mm-hmm. like, I mean, if you want to look for the the metaphor here, it's this is you're trying to start your own business, go your own way, be your own person. And meanwhile, the man is out there kicking your teeth in mm-hmm. every chance you, you get. You think you get a great idea? Nope. We own the rights to that and they buy it up from you and you don't even know about it. You know, or nope, you can't distribute that anymore because we own all the distribution channels. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what this is i mean that's what it's playing out as because this show is about adulthood and and things like that and so i, I don't know I, I, I dig that i i really do enjoy it i also want to talk about kate loxley here you know we, yeah while this is all going on yeah. we have another story in the background with the police investigation now as well yeah, somehow there's murders they're happening that, and the cops are actually doing well, their they're job tip, they're tipped off that this fugitive as they know a murderer it has come to their town and now they got to find him and I really like the background story here and with Kate finding out that Angel's kind of helping her and Ooh. trying to figure out what's going on with that and all that. I, I, I thought it was good because you're bringing in a key plot person who's been key throughout this season into this story that's going to bring us into our arc. She also tests Angel's conviction for us and we realize that he is willing to go to the end for faith's sake, if it needs to be, because she, you know, when she's dragging him into jail, she's like, this has a great view of the sunrise about 6 a.m. And like to nobody else in the office, that means anything. But to her and him, he's like, okay. You know, so she's obviously going to put him in harm's way to see if he'll break. And he doesn't. Right. And he doesn't. Yeah. Right. He doesn't break. And, and well, it ends up working out very well for him, thankfully. For, but he is willing to do that. And he'll do that again as we go through these series. He'll he'll put himself mm-hmm. and his life at risk for what he believes. Well, and the reason he doesn't break is because Faith is sitting there ready to give herself up now. she's Well, she's he doesn't ready. know that she's going to no, be he, there. No, he doesn't. But he sees her once they're, you know, they're... Kate's dragging him through and everything. Yeah. And then she's like, somebody says something to her and she's like, what? And next thing you know, you turn around and there's Faith giving a confession. It's like, oh, wow. So she finally decided this is what I got to do. That's the point where Angel is now justified for everything that he's done for Faith. Mm-hmm. He now gets the payoff for all that hard work. She's doing the right thing. But not before Buffy lays into him about it. One more well, time. We also, you know? yeah, and but the Buffy thing is interesting because intermixed with all this, Angel is revealed the fact that Buffy has got a new man in her life, mm-hmm. which of course hurts the heart there. Yeah, and, and Faith plays them two against each other again before she ends up showing up. So there's already tension there, and mm-hmm. then I think we see Buffy get a little jealous that he's cozying up with Faith now. And so that's upsetting her. So now you've got these two going at it again over something that they shouldn't even care about because, hey, they, they're they done and they know they can't be together. So get well, over it. We have to remember, too, that she doesn't have any memory of the things that happened and I will remember you way back when. But Angel remembers all of it. Right. And this is the first time he's seen her since then. So his reaction to her in there is one very much of like brings back all that pain fresh again, like. I mean, this is the worst thing ever is to see your ex-girlfriend 
and try to be friends with that person still when you know they've moved on and you know you've had to move on too, but you really don't want to. And well, and he, see, can't, he almost can't. And he can't. I mean, that's the thing is he can't. Like, with her, like, he, he cannot do that physically because we know what will happen to him. You know, and he knows that too. And and I, I think that's why they put the Eternity episode right before this one, too, because it seems just sort of like a throwaway. But it's to remind us that that's constantly in the back of his head. And now it's really in the back of his head because it just happened last week. Mm-hmm. So and, and in the Angel timeline, I mean, we're to think this is all just within a few days of each other here. It, it's real fresh on his brain. I, I love how they, they, you know, they have several uh, confrontations. But the one at the end and the one I talked about in the beginning there, I think it's fantastic because she I mean, the way. Buffy talks to him is so condescending and so I've got somebody else in my life now and I'm this and that and yada yada and he, I love how it's he hurtful. just loses his mind and says great don't come down here and tell me you have a great new life why don't you go back to it you know yeah. and I mean he just snaps at her and I, well, it's the first time you've seen Angel do that to her in a long time and it's like I mean he really unloads on her and it was, but it was justified. I mean, you said Angel's justified for everything he's done for Faith. I think he's justified in the way he tells Buffy off here too, because she's being a twit to him. Well, yeah. I mean, who's how rude is it to just go in there and start shoving that kind of crap in the face of your ex boyfriend? Right? That's gonna get you off on the right foot. I mean, come on. So yeah, he's definitely justified in, in telling her off, and it's a good mm-hmm. excuse to get her off the show for now. You know, Faith is gonna be in jail, so the ties are are kind of going away. And that and that scene, Joss wrote that, and he says when he wrote it, he you know he and David Greenwalt said, "I now know what this show is supposed to be. This is Angel, and it's not Buffy, and it, we're taking the the training wheels off, all that kind of stuff. Like now we we've got a statement here for what this is. And I, I mean, I'll go back to what I said years ago, and I said again tonight, Brian. Once again, Faith fixed both shows in a matter of about five weeks. And and it was the right idea on both shows. It got them both recalibrated back to where they were going to go. Now, the Buffy still had to deal with the initiative thing. But if you remember back, like at the end of that, I actually gave that a pass because I thought it was at least a good action movie at the end, you know. And then we had The Cheese Man. I mean, how can you not love that? <laughs> this show, I mean, I'll just tease it ahead now. There's not a bad episode left. In the season, yeah. all of them are good, and they just get increasingly better. And I think this is the moment when the writers and the producers figure that out. But it's also when these characters are coming into a maturity that now we can take them and do interesting things with them. We've had all the prelude we need, you know, 19 episodes in, finally got it. Yeah, and, and it's great. Um, but like you said, uh, she fixes both shows because – God, season four of Buffy was awful. Um, <laughs> and it if was. you want to enjoy some good reviews, go back and listen to season four of The Art of Slaying because we tear that show apart. Yeah. And it makes for entertaining uh, podcasting, I'll tell you that much. I think we had some fun doing it, too, if I may say so myself. I mean, we, we tried <laughs> to be fair with it because there's some of it we ended up, you know, more or less going for, but a lot of that I, one and, is and, so uneven. Yeah, and, and I mean, I liked it enough. That I named my firstborn kid after Riley Finn. So <laughs> yes, so obviously it made go. an impression there's, on you. There's some some good in that season, but um, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'll stand by fun. what I said before, though. It's still better than season six, but no, no, no. season six is so good. 
Oh, we've had that <laughs> argument, Brian. I mean, we, <laughs> too many times. Yeah. Too many times. So, I mean, it's actually on audio. You can go download it and listen to it. And we appreciate you doing so, folks. So Angel's path to redemption here. Talk about Angel having it out with Buffy, Wesley and Angel's relationship and stuff. I think Angel's belief in the good left in faith. Very, I mean, I was very like Star Wars, very Luke and Vader. You know, moment there, and I mean, There's the people that create this show are very are big Star Wars fans. That's no doubt, and that's not like that was a unique uh, concept when Lucas did it either. But it it played out very similarly, and I mm-hmm. I, I dug that. I, I dig that. Yeah, I like it too. And his his path to redemption is by helping others redeem themselves, bringing the good out of the world and getting rid of the bad. And, yeah, I think that's a point, too, that he says it's n- there's nothing you can ever do to make up for it, but you have to do good and bring it out in others, too. Like He goes mm-hmm. off on that whole bit, and I'm like, that's someone, again, who's gone down this path, and Faith is at the starting point. She's at where he was in Romania in 1899. Yeah. Yeah. And that's his, that's his thing, is, is keep them from getting to the point where there is no return. Yeah. And that's exactly. what he's done for Faith, and, and that's going to pay huge dividends for him. Yeah, because she's at peace at the end of this, like more peaceful than we've ever seen her. So Yeah, absolutely. Very big thing. Well, Brian, we're at the part of the podcast where it's time to give stakes ratings for the episode blocks here or for the episode. So what are yours for episodes 17, 18, and 19, Eternity 5x5 and Sanctuary? I'm giving Eternity a three stakes. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was good. Um, if you use my awesome theory on it um, it makes it even better i think um, but e- even if you don't and you believe he does become angelus it's still a great little twist and it's a great a great episode so i'm giving it a three stakes for eternity and sanctuary or, or not eternity for five by five and sanctuary those are both four star episodes for me just fantastic episodes everything about them is good you know the the fight scenes the torture stuff the plots the the interweaving of Wolfram Hart and the police into the matter, as well as the counselor or the Watchers Council coming involved. I mean, all the the three things are coming together here. Bringing Buffy back for a final time, I think, is a good thing. And overall, I think this does a lot for Angel's character as we move towards the end of this season and and set this show up for what's down the road. Brian, I. I- can't put any more words to it you said exactly what i think other than your theory which i don't you know go with but that's fine i mean you know go listen to film strip nick rewrites every movie review so that's cool <laughs> i think that, i think that's great i mean that's fine for me all all three of these are fours i, I mean i re- even eternity which is seems to be such a throwaway but in the significance of the arc and where it's stuck and all the things that sort of linger in it and Anytime David Boreanaz gets to be Angel and gets to be petty and cheeky and just an ass, he's good at it. I mean, he's really good at playing that darker side. And to get it in and play it off a little bit like comedy in some ways is, was fun. And then 5 by 5 and Sanctuary are just fantastic episodes. Fantastic episodes. They're the best two episodes so far in the season. But I'm giving all of these a four stakes. I think they're all very good. I think they're so much more on – on point than a lot of what we've seen so far and I, it, it excites me again to get ready to come down the home stretch finish season one and then jump right into season two because like i said before th- this show is going to hit a high mark and stay on it for a long time which is hard to do for any show uh, but much like the way the buffy show at the end of season one seemed to kind of get its feet season two and season three are both you know high watermarks for 
that show. And I think Angel setting up for something similar, though it is playing itself as such a different show. So four stakes all across the board for me. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Path to Redemption. You can find more episodes on our website, continuousplaypodcast.com, as well as links to other episodes in this podcast or the Art of Slaying podcast that we've mentioned. You can also find links to our Facebook and Twitter pages. Leave us a positive review on iTunes. If you like the show, it helps other people find the show. We really do appreciate that, folks. Cannot wait to talk to you again. So until next time, for Brian, I'm Jay. You've been listening to The Path to Redemption. Thank you for listening to Path to Redemption and Angel Retrospective. You can find more episodes at our website, continuousplaypodcast.com. Angel is the copyright of Fox Television Studios, and any discussion of characters, episodes, or music is strictly for entertainment purposes only. 